Chapter Twenty Six of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Confession. That evening, Mercedes Quero informed Mr. Clavering that she desired him to be present at a conference she had arranged in the library. "'I have sent for Robert Sylvester, Lord Portstead,' she said, "'and for the secretary, too. I thought Brooks could take down in shorthand anything of importance that is brought out.' Mr. Clavering felt sure that she had had some ulterior purpose in sending for Brooks, and he said so. She gave a low, amused laugh. "'Really, Mr. Clavering, you are very discerning. You don't like Brooks, do you?' "'Do you?' he retaliated. That baffling expression came into her eyes. "'The late Earl placed confidence in him,' she fenced. "'Ah!' as a bell clanged loudly through the house. "'That must be Lord Portstead and Brooks now. Mr. Clavering, will you kindly ask Lady Ursula to come to the library?' "'Surely you are not going to torture that poor woman with questions now,' he expostulated when she has just come from her husband's deathbed? I must, but there was real regret in the detective's voice. I have been retained by the late Earl's constituents to bring his murderer to justice, and the sooner the suspense is over, the better. After all, as I have no actual proof, I may fail in the experiment I have planned, but I hope to succeed, and I have purposely chosen to-night because Travers' death must be a decided shock to every member of this household and concealment is not easy when the emotions run high. You are not more sorry for Lady Ursula than I am. I am a woman, and I can appreciate her sufferings. But it would not be right for me to let this matter drift on and continue to involve those who are innocent. Don't you realize that in the eyes of the world there are just three people who had incentive and opportunity for killing the Earl of Portstead? You know who those three are, Mr. Clavering. Lord Meldrum, robert sylvester and lady ursula not lady ursula he cried the more sharply because of his growing doubts please call her mercedes quero said quietly he found lady ursula in the music-room with robert the boy was white and agitated they were talking of travers but stopped abruptly as mr clavering entered lady ursula shivered slightly as he gave her mercedes quero's message Robert put his arm about her with a new and manly tenderness. "'See here, Clavering,' he burst out indignantly. "'I won't have my sister bullied by that detective woman. You go tell her that Lady Ursula doesn't choose to come to the library.' "'Hush, Robin,' reproved Lady Ursula gently. "'We will come directly, Mr. Clavering.' He led the way to the library, increasing dread in his heart. At the threshold he paused in astonishment. There, at the far end of the long room, leaning forward in a big leather chair, sat Mavis, and opposite her, Lord Meldrum. Between them was a chessboard, and both were so intent on the game that they did not look up. Mavis's small crutch had slipped to the floor. Her sharp little face was flushed with excitement, and her red hair gleaming in the light of the pendant lamp above her. Meldrum was studying a move. "'I'm going to put your king in check soon.' He laughed as he advanced his knight. Mavis shot out a nervous little finger and played the threatened king to the Queen's Bishop's Square. "'You can't, you can't!' she cried with shrill glee. "'I've castled my king!' Meldrum laughed again with easy good humour. "'You little witch! I'll checkmate you yet!' It was then 
that he glanced up and saw Mr. Clavering, Lady Ursula, and Robert in the doorway. Advancing down the hall were Mercedes Quero and Elena. He colored in some confusion. "'I thought there would be no harm in a few, ah, uh, quiet games,' he said apologetically. "'Mavis wanted to play. We both did, in fact.' Mavis frowned at the intruders. "'Go away!' she said angrily. "'We don't wish to be disturbed. It's your move, Lord Meldrum.' Lady Ursula went over to the child. "'Mavis, dear,' she began gently, "'you must put up the chess pieces and go with Elena. We shall use the library for—for business.' Mavis spread her hands protectingly over the chess pieces. "'Shan't go!' she cried defiantly. "'You never let me do anything I like. You are unkind and cruel. I don't love you.' Lady Ursula quivered, but— "'Go at once with Elena, Mavis,' she said, with a sternness that reminded one of Portstead. The child shrilled out a second defiance, and Elena advanced toward her with the evident intention of carrying her bodily from the room, when Meldrum interposed. "'You want to play again tomorrow, don't you, Mavis?' She nodded vigorously. "'Well, then, you'll have to let me stop now so I can get through this business here. If it isn't finished tonight, I can't play tomorrow.' Mavis studied his face shrewdly. Slowly she withdrew her hands from the chess pieces and allowed him to sweep them into the box. "'I'll go,' she said at length. "'That's a sensible young woman,' he avowed, with a smile of approval. He picked up the little crutch, helped the child from the chair, and, stooping his tall form, gave her his arm to lead her from the room. Mr. Clavering saw Mercedes Quero's eyes grow misty as they followed the big, boyish man, accommodating his usual stride to the limping steps of this scrap of a girl. At the threshold, Mavis shook hands with her squire in quaint, grown-up fashion, and very politely wished him, "'Good night!' "'Tomorrow I'll capture all your pawns,' she called back from the hall. "'I'll see you do it, young woman,' laughed Meldrum. "'By Jove, she's a shrewd little lass,' he said heartily, turning to Lady Ursula. "'You just saved me from getting badly beaten.' Lady Ursula smiled wanly. "'She has taken a wonderful fancy to you. I never could win her, love. I have always been so situated that I was obliged to curb her wishes, and she bitterly resents it.' "'She will learn to love you,' Lord Meldrum responded confidently, adding in a tone meant only for her ear, "'She couldn't help it, you know.' Lady Ursula's face went softly pink, then paled again as Harry Brooks entered the room. He bowed to her with a passionate appeal in his eyes, but she ignored his salutation, and her expression became cold and hostile. The secretary showed anger at her rebuff, and glowered at Lord Meldrum with all his former vindictiveness." Mercedes Quero stepped quietly to the door and closed it when Elena would have left the room. "'This will be a very trying hour for Lady Ursula,' she remarked. "'I think that you had best remain.' Robert surveyed the detective with indignation, and Elena viewed her savagely. Of a sudden she caught Lady Ursula's hand and kissed it passionately, murmuring endearments in Italian. Lady Ursula smiled at her reassuringly. "'I am very well, Elena Mia.' she said affectionately. You must not worry about me. At this juncture, Mercedes Quero placed a chair for herself near the center of the library, and her action caused at once a tense silence to fall upon the room. Elena took her stand near Lady Ursula, her great black eyes devouring her mistress's white face. 
i have asked you all to come here mercedes quero began in a low though clear and thrilling voice because i am going to tell you now as the result of my investigations the truth about the theft of the government papers and the death of the late earl of portstead she paused perhaps naturally perhaps for effect and looked about her lady ursula had steeled herself to composure and there was a marble-like rigidity to her features lord meldrum standing over her chair showed only solicitude for her but in the faces of robert and the secretary was undisguised fear elena still looked as though she could annihilate the girlish gray-clad figure on which every gaze was bent mr clavering standing constrainedly by the tall mahogany bookcases felt a sense of relief when the detective spoke again i am able she resumed slightly raising her voice to detail with a sufficient degree of accuracy the movements of every member of the household at portstead manor between the hours of ten p m and two a m on the night of the earl's death lord meldrum went to his appointment in the library at ten and he remained there until eleven thirty there was an unseen listener at this interview mr harry brooks was concealed in the small book-room leading off the library and separated from it only by a curtain of old tapestry as you all know now don't trouble to deny it mr brooks as he was about to make a vehement protest or to suggest that you could not have entered the room without the earl having seen you along the wainscoting on the left wall of the long gallery which leads through the main part of the manor is a sliding panel giving admittance into this book-room it was through this panel that you entered the secretary's whole little frame was a quiver but he struggled to control himself there may or may not be such a panel he said thickly but you can't prove that i used it or even knew of its existence pardon me mr brooks interposed the detective smoothly you left a tell-tale behind you that night apparently unconscious of his threatening glances she opened her silver mesh bag with elaborate precision and drew forth a small bit of dark tweed cloth i found this caught tightly in the sliding panel mr brooks you recognize it the little secretary looked capable of any violence now i do not recognize it he asserted surlily strange that you should not murmured mercedes quero stroking the cloth with her slender fingers your discarded house-jacket is of this material and there is a piece torn from it which exactly corresponds to this interesting little sample just there brooks lost complete control of himself that's a lie he shouted and would have bounded at the detective had not lord meldrum seized him by the collar and flung him back against the wall be careful you little beast he warned brooks leaned a moment against the wall cringing under meldrum's stern eyes then he straightened up with sullen defiance and addressed the detective who sat regarding him with a smile of contempt you will never prove that i killed the earl of portstead he challenged i haven't accused you yet mr brooks she reminded him quietly but if i were you i should not suggest that idea to others what are you trying to insinuate against me he demanded hotly i am making a charge against you of theft she answered steadily theft of government papers on which your employer was working when lord meldrum came to the library the secretary burst into a violent denial but she cut him short when lord meldrum left the library by the garden door she resumed with perfect confidence the earl went up the circular stairs to summon his sister down am i right lady ursula her ladyship was gazing at the detective with eyes of wonder 
and fear. "'Yes,' she admitted in a scarcely audible voice. "'In that short period of the Earl's absence,' pursued Mercedes Quero, with a little air of pardonable pride, "'you, Mr. Brooks, came out from the book-room and stole those papers, because you hoped that suspicion would thereby be thrown on Lord Meldrum, which was exactly what did happen. When the Earl returned and found the papers gone, he no doubt concluded that Lord Meldrum, being the person most interested in their suppression, was the thief. It was easier for him to believe this since he found the garden door open, as though Lord Meldrum had returned and hastily gone out again. Really, Mr. Brooks, that was a clever thought of yours, opening the outer door. The secretary was getting himself in hand now. That is a very pretty little theory of yours, he returned with a show of scorn. But what about the motive? Why should it matter to me whether Lord Meldrum were considered a thief? Because— she said directly, you wish to discredit him in the opinion of Lady Ursula. I think I need not dwell upon the absurd hopes your presumption led you to cherish. Lady Ursula evinced no surprise, but the scorn in her eyes grew. The secretary's features convulsed with rage. He went precipitately to the door. I wouldn't be in a hurry to leave the room, Mr. Brooks, cautioned the smooth, even voice of the detective. There is a police inspector in the hall, waiting to serve a warrant which I have sworn out against you. Knowing this, you may prefer to hear the end of my theories. Brooks threw himself into a chair by the door and contented himself by scowling at the cool young woman. To come back now to what happened after Mr. Brooks so cleverly stole the papers, she continued, with a satirical smile in his direction. The Earl naturally communicated to Lady Ursula his suspicions of Lord Meldrum, and I think I am safe in assuming that her ladyship refused to believe in his guilt. The rigidity of Lady Ursula's features relaxed, and she smiled up into Meldrum's grave face. Lady Ursula returned to her room, pursued the detective, and the Earl remained in the library, waiting until Lord Meldrum should come back. The Earl knew that he had gone on a mission for her ladyship. A sharply drawn breath from Lady Ursula and a sudden tightening of Meldrum's lips showed that the detective's surmise, if it were no more, was correct. At about one forty-five, she continued, Lady Ursula, unable to endure longer the suspense of Lord Meldrum's absence, he had gone on such missions before and returned much sooner, determined to go in search of him. The Earl had extinguished the lights in the library, and she supposed that he had gone to bed and that she could leave the house without detection. Lady Ursula, suddenly flashing a glance in her direction, you will set me right if I overstep the truth in my deductions. Lady Ursula sat in stony silence, and the detective, resuming her story, said, Her ladyship's way would lead her into the woods, and she dared not go there at that hour without a weapon of some sort, so she procured her younger brother's pistol. Robert seemed about to cry out in indignation, but managed to control himself. Elena moved nearer her mistress. Mr. Clavering was sure that no bit of by-play was lost on Mercedes Quero. Her great brown eyes, darker now and more brilliant than he had ever seen them before, flashed from one tense face to the other, and her ivory-pale cheeks glowed feverishly. It must have taken willpower to keep her voice low and even as it was. As Lady Ursula descended the circular stairs, she was saying, she heard the sound of angry voices. Her brother Robert had returned. Robert dropped his face in his hands and groaned aloud. 
Mercedes Quero, with a pitying glance at the young, bowed head, went on. In the altercation, Lady Ursula took her younger brother's part and drew the Earl's anger upon herself. Suddenly, Lord Meldrum appeared in the garden doorway. The Earl taxed him with the theft of the papers. Recriminations followed, and Lady Ursula raised the pistol she held and fired. The silence in the room was intense. Mr. Clavering was numb with horror. Robert lifted his face, haggard with despair, and struggled to speak, but no words came. Then suddenly a terrible cry rang through the room, and Elena sprang in front of Lady Ursula, who had half risen from her chair. "'You speak lies, signorina, lies! It is not my lady who kill. It is I, Elena. The Earl, he will drive my lady out into the night with so cruel words, and I take the pistol from the stair where my lady has dropped it, and I kill, yes, and I am glad. Before the inspector, summoned from the hall by her cry, could cross the threshold, steel flashed in Elena's hand, and she fell at Lady Ursula's feet. End of chapter 26